Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to uh, check out what we're up to here in the Exxon, visit exxonradiotv.com, or you can go onto any of our many social media sites, Exxon Radio TV or exxonetvchannel.com. Wow, all these years later, still the same old email address. See, some things do stay. Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And of course, we can always be seen on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, channel 54, at www.simultv.com. My guest this hour is Howard Bloom, and uh, hopefully, if anybody can make sense of what's going on in the world today, it is Howard. And Howard, welcome back to the Exxon. Thanks, Rob. So I wanted to get your take yeah. on this uh, eruption in the Ukraine. Wow. All right, let's 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 go back a little bit in time. It's not as if the Western powers did not know that this was going to happen. The writing was on the wall. The heads of state were all advised by the different intelligence agencies. And when it happened, everybody was so surprised. But you know what surprised me the most was to find out how much oil Russia is selling to the United States and to Canada. Right. That was like, well, wait wait a minute. Hold on here. Now, we've got an invasion going on. We've got Russia invading the Ukraine. And we're all getting really pissed off at Russia for doing this. But we're still buying their oil. Yes, and there's a bill from the Republicans in Congress right now to stop that purchase of oil. And even though I'm a Democrat, I yeah. agree with it totally. You Plus, know, mm-hmm. the inflation that the Republicans have been blaming on uh, Joe Biden yeah. is not coming from Joe Biden because it's worldwide. Yeah, That inflation is happening in Japan. It's happening in Europe. It's happening all over the place. And why is it happening? 
because Vladimir Putin has been preparing for this moment. Um, he has been jerking oil prices up, which mm -hmm. he can do, because the first largest oil producer in the world is the United States. Right. The second largest oil producer is Russia. Mm -hmm. And Russia has enormous influence over the oil markets. Plus, Vladimir Putin knows something that we don't think about. And that is in a war. The nation that has the biggest piggy bank wins. Now, the United States, the last time I checked, has got a trade surplus of $45 billion. That's a lot of money. It can buy you a couple of very big companies. Yeah. Um, but Russia has a trade surplus of $630 billion. Whoa. And then there's the real champ, the gorilla in the room, mm -hmm. China, with $3.5 trillion in reserves. But what Vladimir Putin didn't count on was this, the um, banking sanctions yeah. that he has been hit with had made a large amount of that $630 billion in his piggy bank unavailable to him, scaling down the size of his piggy bank. But the biggest thing to understand with this invasion of the Ukraine, with this insufferable um, strategy of slow annihilation, with what even Donald Trump calls a holocaust in the Ukraine, is, is seen through Vladimir Putin's eyes very differently than it's seen through yours and mine. In Vladimir Putin's eyes, uh, he listens to a guy named Alexander Dugin. Alexander Dugin is the founder of something called Eurasianism, which is a sort of religious geopolitical movement. And Eurasianism says that the Russian people were born at the dawn of time. They were the first people born on this planet. And because they were the first people born on this planet, mm -hmm. they have a right and an obligation to rule this planet. Then there's another little piece of perceptual lensing in Russia's history. Um, once upon a time, Constantine the Great saw the cross in the sun. That was 312 AD. And he, over the next two decades, he converted all of the Roman Empire to Christianity. So the city of Rome was the first city in direct contact with the Christian God, the first center of civilization. Then Constantine picked up his stuff and moved to another city, 1,400 miles to the east, and made it the center of God's speeches to mankind the one place to gain a direct contact with God and the center of civilization. That city was called Byzantium, and that was called the Second Rome. Then, 1,200 years later, Byzantium was successful at running the Roman Empire for 1,200 years, which is a pretty good stretch of time. But then along came the Muslims and took Byzantium away from the Christians. And when Byzantium fell, Russia felt that Moscow was the third Rome. Now it was Moscow's responsibility to head all of civilization worldwide because the voice of God was in the ear of people in one city, Moscow. So Vladimir Putin has this messianic sense that he is the one who will do what this heritage of the third Rome demanded. He will finally make Russia the civilization that controls the earth, that speaks the truth to mankind. And one very important aspect 
of Dugan's philosophy, of Eurasianism, is Dugan utterly despises something he calls liberalism and feels it must be wiped off the face of the planet. And what is liberalism? It's democracy. It's freedom of speech. So Putin, we're at a choice point in history because Vladimir Putin has been making himself the role model for a whole series of leaders around the world, dictators, um, since roughly 2008. He's been on the cover of Forbes as the most powerful man in the world, I believe, three times. Um, and when Donald Trump took power in the United States, it was Putin's role model that was in the back of his mind. And what is that role model? Complete authoritarianism. The dictator controls what you think. The dictator controls what you know. The dictator gives you his perceptual lens, and that's it. And it is a him. It is not a female empress. So this way of running a government, this whole philosophy, um, has caught on in places like the Philippines with Duterte in Turkey with Erdogan. It's caught on with a whole series of dictators around the world, in Nicaragua, hmm. um, in Cuba. And this is a fight right now between authoritarianism, that dictatorship model of Vladimir Putin, and democracy. And the authoritarians, at least as Vladimir Putin sees it, are out to exterminate the sin of democracy, the sin of human rights to expunge it from the planet permanently so only those autocratic leaders who uh, who listen directly to God um, have access to you and me. So, so why did he decide to start now at this time uh, w with Ukraine? Well, he had the $650 billion. Um, yeah, that, now, if I understand it correctly, the ruble is, is worthless. Ah. The ruble last year, uh, the ruble mm -hmm. um, was worth 20 cents. Today, the ruble is worth half a penny. Yeah. So as of last week, there were mm -hmm. runs on Russian banks. There were lines of people waiting to get to their ATM machines to take out their life savings and to convert them, if they possibly could, to dollars, yeah. not rubles. Um, so the ruble is in a free fall. But that doesn't matter to Vladimir Putin. He has he has the gas to fuel his troops. He has the gas to fuel that 40-mile-long convoy. Then how come if, if he's got the fuel, Howard, and I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, buddy, if he's got the fuel, why has that convoy not moved? Why, are, why is it falling apart, basically? Well, there's a mystery to that, and uh, the Wall Street Journal, quoting a leader of the special forces mm -hmm. in Ukraine, who have been consistently defeating the Russians, yeah. says the Russians are using old, slow, antique tactics from World War II. Hmm. They're using vast masses of human beings. And, of course, that long convoy is extremely sensitive to attack. Um, it can be attacked at any point. It is vulnerable, Rob. Yeah. All they need are a couple of... Um... Ukrainian pilots and A-10 warthogs and that entire convoy would be blown to smithereens in a couple of hours. Right. But as you alluded to, um, Vladimir told Putin told us exactly what he wanted about two months ago in a statement to NATO. And he said he wants NATO to be out with its weapons out of mm -hmm. all of the countries that were formerly part of the Soviet Union. 
Um, in his eyes, this is not just restoring the empire of the Soviet Union. This is restoring the empire that the Russians have accumulated over a thousand years. So there's no stopping him. If he takes the Ukraine, that's not the end of things. That's the beginning of things, because he claims to be out to wipe out neo-Nazis. He is the neo-Nazi. He is the Hitler wannabe. Yeah. Um, he is the man who, like, like Hitler, who took Czechoslovakia peacefully um, because the rest of the Western countries felt that if they appeased him with this, he'd be quiet. And then he invaded Poland. Well, Vladimir Putin has a whole string of countries he wants to invade, and it consists of almost 40% of Europe that he wants. You know, I, I was watching the news earlier today, and Lewinsky made a plea to, to NATO and basically said, hey, if there's any more bloodshed, because of our non-acceptance into the EU and into NATO, then it's on your side. Yes. You're responsible for that. It's on our heads. Yeah. And uh, when Joe Biden says that if we sent in uh, our Air Force mm -hmm. to create air cover, yeah. first of all, it's not as easy as it sounds. Right. Because the Russian um, jets are highly sophisticated and are probably an equal match to our most advanced jets. Right. Uh, but we suffer. He is saying we would trigger World War Three. I agree well, with him. The question is, if Vladimir Putin mm -hmm. takes all of the Ukraine, is that the end of things or is it the beginning of World War Three, whether we want it or not? And if it's the beginning of World War Three, whether we want it or not, should we stop it now yeah. and here while it's weak and an embryo? I, I believe that Putin's not going to stop. I believe that he's going to continue. But the only thing that I see is that he's going to run into a NATO country pretty soon. And once he does that, there you go, World War Three. But NATO countries are under, uh, they're undermanned. Yeah. Um, they're under-equipped. All of a sudden, the NATO countries have seen the wisdom of uh, putting 2% of, of their budget into the military. Mm -hmm. But it's a bit too late. It's a bit too late for an attack that could come two months from now. Um, and when Zelensky asks for air cover, mm -hmm. he is pointing out a vulnerability of the Russians and saying, please stop this now before Vladimir Putin goes worldwide. Stand by, Howard. You and I have to take our first break, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'm glad you're feeling better. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about my guest this hour, www.howardbloom.org. Org, or is it net? I keep on forgetting. It's net. org. Howardbloom.net. Uh, Howard, you, my friend, are a breath of fresh air in a totally confused world. Thanks for being there for us tonight. And, well, thanks uh, for being there for me, Rob. Yeah. You've been there for me for 20 years. Wow. 20 great years, I might add. And oh, by the way, I was telling you, I, I think I emailed you that Laura and I were watching something uh, the other day on television. And who's there? Howard Bloom. Must be the ZZ Top movie. It had to be. Great movie, by the <laughs> way. Howard and I return on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Could family 
genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back, everybody. Howard Bloom is my guest, www.howardbloom.net. We're talking about what is going on in the Ukraine and how, how everybody seems to be just standing back and saying, hmm, well, we should do something, but we really can't. And Howard, in your opinion, why wasn't the Ukraine allowed into the EU and into NATO? That's a very good question. Let's go back to the way Vladimir Putin okay. views the world. Um, in Vladimir Putin's view, there is no such thing as the Ukraine. The, uh, it was Russia. And the Ukraine was created artificially by the Leninists. So it's only existed a relatively short amount of time. But in reality, remember that Russian people that was born at the, beginning, at the dawn of the world, according to Alexander Dugin? Yeah. Well, part of that Russian people was... The Ukrainians. Now, here's a little bit of history that you need to know to get this straight. In 850 AD, the Vikings started coming down the Eastern European river system, and they discovered a land that was rich in an extremely lucrative export commodity. And that export commodity was slaves, white slaves. So they set up a base, a slaving base, um, at uh, on the Dnieper River called Kiev, and it was all made of wood, and it was there so that the Vikings could go into the countryside, kill off the men, kill off the older women, and take the young women and the children as captives. Why? Because if they went all the way down the river, or roughly a thousand miles, they reached Constantinople, Byzantium, the second Rome, which was the richest city in the history of the world. And they could sell these slaves for a fortune. Now, 100 years later, in 950 AD approximately, um, the pe these Vikings were called the Rus because of their reddish hair. And um, the first prince of the Russians, the Russians, set up shop as the center, the capital of a Russian empire. And he did it in Kiev. So Kiev, which is in the Ukraine, it's the capital of Ukraine, was the capital of Russians at the very beginning of the development of the Russian Empire. Eventually, it took a total of about 500 years. Eventually, through a bunch of power competitions, that center would move from Kiev to Moscow, where we know it today. Meanwhile, what happened 
to Kiev and the lands that the Russians uh, still controlled, but was in the shadows. Well, that was the land of the slaves. I mean, these people were taken as slaves so frequently that they were named the slaves, the Slavs. Now, who are the Ukrainians? The Ukrainians are not the descendant of these Russian princes. The Ukrainians are primarily the descendant of the people who were used as slaves. And if you had your own nation and your previous slaveholders um, wanted to retake you, how would you feel? So the yeah. Ukrainians are a separate people. And this is the beginning of a deliberate genocide. Um, what Vladimir Putin says he's doing mm -hmm. is that he is protecting the Russian-speaking people, the brothers, the people who are a natural part of the Russian peoplehood. But then he has a lot in mind beyond the nation peoplehood because he wants all those other countries that were once part of the Soviet Union. And who knows what that is a prelude to? Who knows what that is a beginning to? And the, in a battle like this, mm -hmm. the toughest guy wins. Well, why we are holding back from offering air cover because, oh, lest we we rouse the Russians um, by downing a few of their planes, mm -hmm. Putin is threatening to use nuclear weapons, yeah. and he's hammering home that threat with by taking the Zaporizhka nuclear complex, which has six nuclear reactors, which, if not treated properly, could blow and make Chernobyl look tiny because there was only one nuclear reactor in Chernobyl, which poisoned the landscape for 30 miles around, there are six nuclear reactors yeah. at Jeprashia. So Putin is taking advantage of the fact that he is willing to lunge to the extremes in force. Do you think uh, that Do you think that the the Western countries, as well as those involved in NATO, are not giving Putin the the seriousness that they should be giving him? Yes, absolutely. I mean, remember, once upon a time in the 1930s in mm -hmm. Germany, there was a guy who looked like Charlie Chaplin, a comedian, who couldn't even give a speech properly. He shouted all his speeches, and he wasn't taken seriously. The New York Times, for example, consistently, year after year after year, spiked stories, refused to use stories that demonstrated Hitler's atrocities. Um, why? Because they didn't want to upset Mr. Hitler. Um and then Mr. Hitler turned out to be monster Hitler. And that's what Vladimir Putin is counting on, that if he goes monster, all the rest of us will stay calm and rational and allow us uh, or allow him to beat the bejesus out of us. Do you think that there's factions within the Russian government right now based on what we're being told by people within the, the Russian um, populace that there seems to be dissension growing against Putin for what he's doing. Somebody asked well, me today, why doesn't the CIA just take him out? Well, it would be wonderful yeah. if the CIA could take him out. Um, I would imagine that he's protected himself with many, many layers of protection. Um, and once we launch, I suppose we try to do it with missiles, once we launch missiles um, into the Kremlin, then Russians are going to respond with missiles back, and their missiles will have nuclear warheads. It's we are we are whether we like it or not, we have been plunged into a dangerous game. 
and even our rationality and our calm and our reticence and our decency could undo us in the face of a man who is willing to make nuclear threats and is demonstrating in the Ukraine that he can go for a policy of what several policy people a few days ago in, the, in, in uh, NATO countries and in the American government called slow annihilation. How do we stop a person like that? Uh, the best way is to do exactly what you said, have the CIA work with all its might to take him out, use the kind of special forces um, that uh, we use to get people like Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Um, and that's not easy because this is a very sophisticated, highly fortified place, and there's no telling where Putin is from minute to minute. He has a home in Sochi, and he has many homes, palatial homes, in the Moscow countryside. Plus, uh, bin Laden didn't have nuclear weapons at his disposal. Exactly. Exactly. But um, one Russian billionaire has offered a prize of a million dollars to the senior officer of the Russian military who will take, who will arrest Vladimir Putin as a war criminal for, the, for going against the Russian constitution. Now, whether mm. he's on his own, whether there's any popularity to this kind of thing, we don't know. But I'm sure Putin has done, he's thought this through, he's had a long time to think it through. Remember, he started this war in 2014. Um, so he's had a lot of time to think these things out. And I'm sure he's mm -hmm. as protected and as cleverly protected as he can possibly be. Do you think there is a diplomatic end to this, uh, to this no, situation? There is, there is no diplomatic end whatsoever. In your opinion, then, in your opinion, is this a prelude to World War III? Yes, it's a prelude to World War III. And if we stop it here, we may prevent it from going further. And there's yeah. the possibility that the military may mutiny at some point against Putin. Their men are apparently wildly dissatisfied. One of them is taken a prisoner by the Ukrainians, said we are being used as meat shields. Wow. Shields of meat. Um, so they know that their bodies are totally disposable. Their lives are totally disposable for the interests of the new czar, um, Vladimir Putin. And not all of them are happy about that. In your opinion, if you were president for a day because of, of who you are, you are my hero, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out <laughs> after all these years. What would you do as president of the United States right now? If, you, if Joe Biden called you up and said, Howard, my friend, you've done so much for so many others. You know, you, you worked with Billy Joel. You worked with Michael Jackson, John Cougar, Melvin Camp, and even this Canadian by the name of McConnell, whatever it is, saw you on a ZZ Top special. I want you, Howard Bloom, to use your knowledge, your influence, and your way with people to solve this problem. You are president for the day, Howard Bloom. How would you how would you handle things? I would trust in the local expert and the local expert who's right there on the cutting edge is Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. And I would give him mm -hmm. his air cover and I would try to look at as many negative consequences as possible and do everything possible to skirt them, to obviate them, to get around above and below them. He is one heck of a guy. Oh, yes. I mean. The American government advised him to flee 
and offered him transportation. That was the stupidest thing they could have done. Leaders have to lead from the front, yeah. not from behind. Look what happened when the head of Afghanistan had deserted his country. The country fell apart and fell to the Taliban. Um, Zelensky has shown a kind of courage that I don't know if Joe Biden has in his vocabulary, but the alternative to Joe Biden in a couple of years, in 2024, is going to be Donald Trump. And Donald Trump would have handed Ukraine to Vladimir Putin on a platter when he made his famous phone call to Zelensky, trying to twist Zelensky's arm to get dirt on Joe Biden in exchange for money the Congress had already granted for weapons to the Ukraine. Um, he, everything he said indicated that he thought the, he bought the Russian line, mm-hmm. that the Ukraine was corrupt, and that it needed to be taken over by Mother Russia. So he right now he's making big noises about this would never have happened under him. No, it wouldn't have happened under him. He would have simply handed the Ukraine over and that would be it. So we have two choices. Um, Joe Biden, who has put together an extremely successful financial sanctions package that is having a major impact on the Russians right now and has a chance of slowing the Russians down or even even stopping them but who is unwilling to get involved in force. And we have Donald Trump, who is a sycophant um, to two men. Um, Those two men are Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping in China. Um, So while he's claiming to make, he claimed to make America great again, in fact, he was on the verge of handing America over to those two giants and going with their autocratic program and extinguishing democracy in the United States, which he tried to do with his massive election fraud. And he's trying to do again with his moves to steal the election in 2024 by getting his own people, his own sycophants, to count the vote. Wow. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. Well, fortunately, here on the North American continent, Mm -hmm. uh, we've never been better off. We've never had more tools of communication. Look at the Skype. When you and I started talk, talking, we were doing telephone. Yeah. That was a miracle enough in itself. Now we're doing Skype. If you wanted to, I mean, I'm on video camera right now. Yeah. And you could have me on video camera. And we managed to get each other in a flash, yeah. in an instant. Remember the days of long-distance calls? I sure do. Um, when you had to go to a phone booth mm-hmm. and you had to have rolls of quarters or dimes to shove into the machine, and even then it was almost impossible to talk to somebody in Hawaii or Hanoi. Um, Today, it's easy to talk to your friends while you're walking down the street, and you can switch on the video feature, and you can see them, and they can see you, and those same phones are being used to videotape what is happening in the Ukraine. Howard, stand by, my friend. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. An explanation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, the one and only Howard Bloom, visit his website at www.howardbloom.net. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe, dare to be heard, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, and then repeated throughout the day in many networks around the world, but especially on www.xzbn.net. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
And welcome back to the Exxon. My guest this hour, the one and only Howard Bloom, www.howardbloom.net. Uh, these certainly are uh, strange times, Howard. Uh, but do, do I understand that you believe that President Trump or will win the 2024 election? Uh, all of the polls at this moment say yes, but a strange thing has happened in the American polls. Okay. Over the last two days. Mm-hmm. Um, until two days ago. Um, Joe Biden, you still there? Yes, I'm right here. Good, good, because there was a binging on the phone. But Joe Biden mm-hmm. had one of the two worst approval ratings in the history of the presidency. Right. At least in the history of the time that we've been polling. Only one person, he was polling at around 39%. Only one president at the end of his first year had been that unpopular and even more. And that was Donald Trump. Now that this Ukrainian war has come, come along, mm-hmm. uh, Biden's approval rating has gone from 39% to 47%. Wow. It leapt eight notches in the last two days, Rob, because of this war. And because, in fact, Biden's economic bite on Russia, his sanctions program, is working. Oh, okay, uh, I, I, I know that part, but why is he still allowing Russian oil to come into the United States? Why is he, fund, why is he funding the military and Putin's military by buying oil from Russia? Um, because he, oil is the root of inflation. Generally, when inflation occurs, mm-hmm. occurs, look at the price of oil, and you will see the price of oil has gone up. Yeah. Because oil is not only used to transport all the goods mm-hmm. um, that you and I use. It is used to produce the goods that you and I use. It is the basic root, the taproot of a modern economy. And Joe Biden knows that if America stops buying Russian oil, mm-hmm. that that will yank inflation up by at least between three and ten points. Um, and there's no way he wants to go from what we've got right now, which is about 8.8% inflation, which is outrageous compared to just a year ago, when we had 2% inflation. There's no way he wants that to go up to Jimmy Carter's 20% stagflation. So he's balancing interests at this point. Uh, uh, what yeah. he isn't doing, so far as I can see, America is the number one producer of oil and gas in the world. Exactly. So why is he bringing in Russian oil? If, if... He should be sitting down the oil experts in the United States, mm-hmm. the heads of the major oil companies and the wildcatters, right. and saying, look, you've got this fabulous price for oil and gas right now. It's up to $110 a barrel from $42 a barrel right. a while ago. And please produce your ass off. But I suspect that he is hesitant to do that because he'd have Kamala Kamala Harris on his head. More important, he would have the the progressive wing of Congress, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all the rest of them on his head because they want the extermination of oil as a fuel. Right. Um, because we have to be cognizant of global warming. We have to do our part to stop global warming. Well, this is a crisis that will kill far more people far more quickly than global warming. Exactly. And we have to encourage more production of American gas and oil. So why isn't that being done? Like, why is he so afraid of these, 
these people who are going to jump on his head. Big deal. The people well, who are going to jump on his head do not equal the amount of people who are going to be killed, massacred, annihilated, fried if this turns into World War III. Right. And I agree with you. And if you and I were in his office at this very minute, this is what we would be telling him. It doesn't matter who's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie yeah. Sanders, anybody else. You have to do this not just on behalf of the American people. You have to do it on behalf of humanity right exactly. now. Exactly. Thousands of people are dying a day. The Russians are deliberately targeting apartment buildings. You've seen the pictures. I, I have. It. it breaks my heart. They are deliberately targeting hospitals. One of the things that Russians used as a tactic in Syria, where they learned many of the moves that they plan to use on the Ukraine, mm -hmm. is destroy every single hospital so that people have no hope. Destroy every single school so that people have no future. Um, it was monstrous. And it was undercovered in the Western media. Well, that's what mm -hmm. looks like it's about to unfold in the Ukraine. Oh, boy. Um, something else that is worrying me is what's going on with China. It seems that China and Russia have formed this pact. China now is testing the waters over Taiwan by sending military flights over it. Yes. Um, in reality, Russia, China, North Korea, um, Syria, Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua have had a silent alliance for at least a decade now. Um, that silent alliance meets the pattern of something George Bush said a long time ago. It's an axis of evil. Mm -hmm. And that axis of evil pulls these countries together. So when we are war, at war with Russia, we're at war with much more than just Russia. We're at war with the axis of evil. Now, Vladimir Putin deliberately, knowing he had this Ukrainian uh, attack, this Ukrainian invasion on his plate, um, he flew to China um, at the opening of the Olympic Games, and um, he took advantage of the fact that, among other things, the West was not sending its diplomats to these games in protest against what's going on in Sichuan, what's sometimes called a genocide, um, against the local Muslim people. Um, and he concluded a pact with China that is very long, many, 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 many pages long, and among other things, says that China and Russia have a bottomless alliance, um, an alliance that will apply no matter what happens. So China has not been making really negative sounds, aside from calling for a negotiated peaceful settlement. Uh, China's been keeping very quiet uh, about this war in the Ukraine. But you are right. China is watching to see if the West is so weak that he can take Taiwan, he meaning Xi Jinping. All right. And you're right. For the, the military mm -hmm. overflights began yeah. long before um, Xi and, uh, and Putin concluded this pact, because in reality, they've had a quiet alliance for a decade. Now, now I, I'm sure other people are, uh, have come to the same conclusion or observed the same strategy that I, I think I've, I've noticed, Howard. And please correct me if I'm wrong. You've got Russia moving to the West, and then you've got... You've got China, who uh, China as well as uh, North Korea, 
who could easily move to the the east. Right. And, and the, there were power outages yeah. in Taiwan. And Taiwan produces something like 70 to 80 percent of the world's microchips. And right now there is a mi worldwide microchip shortage. Um, some automakers have been forced to close down entire factories because they don't have enough microchips to make their cars. That's how indispensable microchips are to cars, which means that um, Taiwan is indispensable as a source of microchips. Well, over the last few days, there were power outages in Taiwan. And the result was that some of those microchip factories had to shut down. And it is just possible, it's entirely possible, that China and Russia, which have become expert in cyber war, that's a major battlefield for them, the cyber realm, um, actually shut down those supplies of energy, and it's a prelude of what may come soon. What about this nuclear pact that is now being talked about in order to bring oil from Iran back to the States? It's a bullshit. Oh, God, I, I, I'm sorry. I was about to say things you're not allowed to say on radio. You were, you were going to say bullshit, weren't you? Yes, it's okay. a batch of bullshit. There you go. Um, and, and I'm surprised that a president who has a great deal of intelligence like Joe Biden mm -hmm. could fall for it, or another who is very intelligent, Barack Obama. Um, only, um, only Donald Trump didn't fall for it. The um, Iranians are within months of having a nuclear weapon anytime they want. And the Iranians have been allowed to get away with something no other nation has ever gotten away with. And that is declaring that one of their major goals in life is the extermination of an entire other nation. And they paint slogans on their missiles. And believe me, they launch a lot of missiles. They have a great big arsenal of missiles and they get more sophisticated all the time. And the slogans say basically exterminate Israel. Well, that's genocide, for God's sakes. And they are allowed to get away with it because our press doesn't even bother to report it. Um, so they are within months of having the weapon that they need to carry out their lifelong dream of exterminating Israel. Now, Israel has atomic weapons and can fire back, but then what will be left of Israel? There are only three major Israeli cities. You wipe them out and you just uh, exterminated Israel and a good portion of the world's Jews so, to participate, so, to, to, to arrive at a so-called mm -hmm. peace deal or a nuclear deal that encourages the extermination of an entire nation is shameful. I mean, it is worse than shameful. It's inexcusable. Why do, why, why, you know, why does Iran hate Israel? What did, has Israel done that so many people nations and so many people want to wipe Israel and all the Jews off the face of the earth. Makes no sense well, to me. In the case of Iran, it's because there is only one true prophet who was uh, a channel for God's word on earth, and his name was Muhammad. And Muhammad hated Jews because Jews were the only ones to help him in his early years. And you often turn on your helpers, because as long as you're beholden to your helpers, you're below them in status, on the pecking order. But if you can exterminate them, hey, you're above them. And Muhammad made a habit when he lost battles, because Muhammad led 127 military campaigns. Uh, he expanded the, um, he expanded his empire by something like 130 square miles 
a day. Wow. And every one of those square miles came at the price of throat slit, of people murdered. Um, and when his military missions failed, what he would do is take his men immediately before they could get their armor off or even wash up and take them directly to a Jewish suburb, to a Jewish village, and to attack that Jewish village, to um, uh, keep it under siege for as much as 28 days, to kill every single, once they'd taken it, to kill every single man and boy, every boy old enough to have pubic hair, methodically, while Mohammed himself sat there and watched every single beheading. He seemed to enjoy this. And then they took the women as sex slaves um, and sometimes as brides. All right, we've got to take our final break, Howard. Please stand by, my friend. Wow. Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour and the great books he's written, this man has done it all. He walks, he talks the talk, and he walks the walk. That's our Howard Bloom, howardbloom.net. I'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon. On the other side of this break, don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My guest this hour, the one and only Howard Bloom, www.howardbloom.net. Uh, Howard, before we went to the uh, final break, we were talking about, uh, you know, the annihilation of the Jews and what's going on in Ukraine. We've got so much going on around the world. In your, in your opinion, Howard, a person who watches what's going on, as you do, was there something that triggered all of this at once? For example, COVID, the Ukraine issues, uh, and and the unrest, both political, geophysical. The world is in a, is is in a condition that I can't remember ever seeing before in my lifetime. Well, we've lived in a time where uh, there is sophistication, modernism, humanitarianism, pluralism pluralism, tolerance, and freedom of speech. That Western system has extended all over the world until the last 10 years when the Vladimir Putin model, the autocratic model, the dictatorial model set it. But meanwhile, there is a basic in the nature of social humans. And it is that your greatness, your ability to be remembered in history, depends on how many people have died in the name of whatever you're trying to achieve. 
Um, sounds preposterous, right? Well, how did Alexander the Great get to be great? By the number of people who died trying to execute his vision of a world empire. Um, what made Julius Caesar great? The number of people who died in the perpetual wars in which he was in his early years a general. Um, what made Napoleon great? Why do we remember his name? The hundreds of thousands of people who died trying to execute his vision of things. And Adolf Hitler remains in group memory for the same reason. The millions who died because of him. And Vladimir Putin is after that stature of greatness. He wants to be great the way Ivan the Terrible was great in Russian history. And um, Peter the Great was great in Russian history. And uh, Catherine the Great was great in Russian history. They all marched armies and used them as meat shields in order to expand the size of the, Rome, uh, of the Russian Empire. There's a scholar named Richard Königsberg mm -hmm. um, who specializes um, in this theory that the more lives you sacrifice for your cause, the higher your cause seems to rise in the eyes of other humans. You know, you and I were, were talking during the commercial break that this is what happens when John Lennon died, you know. He, he, was out, <laughs> he was out there talking about give peace a chance, make love, not war, all you need is love. We need to bring back the hippies because they had it right. Make love, not war. You know? And take a look at my book, How I Accidentally Started in the 60s. That's right. Oh, nice segue. <laughs> yes, you'll see how I accidentally helped start this movement. And then the irony was, um, 20 years later, working with a kid in Minnesota, mm -hmm. Minneapolis, named Prince, I discovered that Make Love Not War had become his motto, too. The group that I had helped nurture formed the basis for Prince's teen years. It was an astonishing thing to see how these ideas come up. But opposites are joined at the hip. Cultures that make love when periods, when the times are good, will make war, too. And it won't always be out of any kind of necessity whatsoever. It's a basic human instinct. We have assumed that we have become so sophisticated and civilized, we don't have those base instincts anymore. Well, guess what? We do. What do you think Putin's next step will be? He's going to continue chewing away at the Ukraine. It's been said that his next target is Moldova, um, which is right there on the border um, with the Ukraine. He's trying to take over the Crimean Sea so that uh, uh, so that Ukraine can no longer get supplies. That's their major transport corridor. And then it's going to be Poland or it's going to be uh, a one of the European countries. He's going to take advantage of the fact that we are as proper as we are and don't want to trigger World War III. Um, he's going to take advantage of our weakness. But it's a weakness that when times are good and there is no war mm -hmm. around, does us a great deal of good. Do you think it's possible that, if not, uh, if not um, Putin, but maybe somebody in his highest military rankings would push the button because Putin may have second second thoughts about it? Push the nuclear button. Yeah. Um, well, for one thing, they can do what uh, the military tried to do with Hitler. They tried to assassinate him. It didn't work. The men who did it were executed themselves. Um, let us hope that they try that. 
Let us hope the military gets fed up with this. Um, and let us hope no one pushes the nuclear button, because then it's all over. I understand that there have been thousands of Russians arrested for demonstrating against the the atrocities that are being being uh, put onto the right. Ukrainian and, people. And as of as of two days ago, the figure of those who were arrested was six thousand five hundred. Wow. That's a lot of protesters to arrest, and the number of cities that had had demonstrations was over thirty-five, and um, online. There were protests on Twitter, on Facebook, um, and Change.org. A, a Russian put up a Russian language petition to stop the war, and in its first few days online, it got a million signatures. I haven't had a chance over the last two days to check how many it's had now, but when I checked approximately a day ago, it was up a hundred thousand over a million. Wow. So there's a vast mass of Russians who want nothing nothing to do with this war, even though they are being virulently, violently misinformed um, and told that it's the Ukrainians and the Americans who have started this. Tomorrow, President uh, Zelensky has a, uh, a phone call into a, uh, into a number of lawmakers in the United States where he's going to be pleading his case. Neat, because this guy makes sense, mm -hmm. and we have to listen to him. Do you think that'll bend any arms or elbows into taking some affirmative actions, harder actions against Russia than the present sanctions that have been implemented? Yes, because if uh, Joe Biden mm -hmm. feels a groundswell um, from not just the Republicans, it has to be bipartisan, um, he is going to respond to it. I am putting together a Why Save Western Civilization project that says, why do we need to save tolerance, pluralism, freedom of speech, and democracy? And uh, co-heading this particular movement, it's a movement within the Howard Bloom Institute, which is a new group that formed a year ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, this initiative is being co-headed by Harry Hamlin, who was voted uh, the sexiest man on planet Earth in 1987, um, and has won Golden Globe after Golden Globe, but also founded uh, a fusion company, a fusion energy company. TAE Technologies. And right now I'm in discussion with a three-star general about joining the group. Um, and I'm going after a very good friend who is a former governor to join the group. Because we need to know why we're saving Western civilization now more than ever before. So and if you're curious about this kind of thing, go to howardbloom.institute. That's howardbloom.institute. Do you think that Joe Biden will reverse his stand on um, the production of oil within the United States? Do you think that he will revisit the, the pipeline that he canceled the first day he was in power? Do you think that he'll open up more areas within federal lands to oil exploration? And uh, where is that? Or is he going to cater to the whiny people that helped get him elected? Well, I don't think he's going to open up federal lands, but that doesn't matter. A friend of mine and his father, once upon a time, felt that this old tapped-out oil field that all the oil companies had abandoned had more potential. And they started drilling in it. And guess what? They discovered lots and lots of gas and oil. That was called uh, the Gulf of Mexico. 
and they made a billion dollars when they sold their company that had been doing this um, to a major bank. So um, I'm all for the wildcatters mm -hmm. who will look everywhere and anywhere for oil. And they don't need federal lands to do it. Technology and the oil business keeps getting better all the time. And territories that were regarded as deserts, wastelands, mm -hmm. places with no oil, become fruitful oil fields using the new technologies. You know, you, you're from around this area, and I was uh, told the other day that beneath uh, Lake Erie are some of the largest oil and gas pockets that have that's, yet to be explored. That's entirely understandable, yeah. and let's remember... Um, we are encouraging, we have been encouraging alternative forms of energy. We've been encouraging renewable energy. I put together the, the world's first um, public interest radio ads for something called solar power in 1981 for one of the groups that I was representing, Sticks. Um, and in recent years, there's been a huge increase every single year of, oil, uh, uh, of energy from solar. Mm -hmm. And alternative energy forms, wind. Um, that has to continue to grow, but we are not ready to depend on that yet. And in order to, wars are won by the countries that have the greatest surplus. Well, guess what? We have the greatest surplus of oil, period. And we've got to tap it. So what's next for Howard Bloom? I'm finishing my eighth book, at least the first draft of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's called um, The Case of the Sexual Cosmos, Everything You Know About Nature is Wrong. It probably won't be out for a year. Um, the Howard Bloom Institute, I'm very focused on this Why Save Western Civilization project. I think it's extremely important. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll see what else comes along. Uh, we're also, uh, we put together a course on a discipline that I created in 2001 called Omnology. It's a university course for Kepler Space University in Florida. And we plan to use that as a pilot so that we can spread it to other universities. I've got about two minutes left, Howard. Uh, what's new in the space race or in the well, space, in the space exploration? Race, yeah. America, America is leading the world, but mm -hmm. it's not because of NASA. NASA is doing incredibly stupid things. It's put together <laughs> a rocket that will be too expensive to fly. Right. Um, the rocket that the, uh, the government just discovered in the last couple of days would cost $4 billion per flight. But there is an immigrant here um, who came from South Africa, and his name is Elon Musk. And he has a spaceship that's halfway to development. It's almost ready to fly at any time when it gets approval from the FAA, which is holding it up, called the Starline, and, or the Starship, rather. And the Starship holds 100 passengers and 100 tons of cargo, changing the relationship between life and space completely. And we've got to get away from this hideous franken rocket mm -hmm. that's going to cost four billion dollars a flight for four billion dollars you could buy approximately a thousand flights of elon musk's rocket you could buy a hundred space programs you gotta love them yep thank god he's there and thank god you're there howard i've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years now my friend and um I want to thank you for all you do, and I know that there's a lot of listeners out there that I get to meet and greet who say, what kind of guy is Howard Bloom? I said, well, if you look at the, if you open up your dictionary, you look at the definition of super guy, you'll find his picture there. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. That's lovely. Howard, once again, let our listeners know how they can find you. Well, you can go to howardbloom.institute, 
or you can go to howardbloom.net. Howard, until the next time you and I meet, take care of yourself, my friend, and uh, thanks for all you do. Rob, you are a pleasure. Exonation, our guest this hour has been the one and only Howard Bloom, www.howardbloom.institute or howardbloom.net. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs>